Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. And no, it's not the AP Draft Show. I'm not wishing you a merry draftmas right now. I'm sorry. Uh, we're trying to kind of do a little bit of a hybrid today and the rest of the week because there's a lot going around with free agency. Uh, obviously, that will affect the draft, and we're going to have some conversations the whole week about that too. But we're just trying to kind of play both sides of this with you know the league year starting on Wednesday. So figured we might want to do some of that here too. And we haven't had a chance to talk about Joe Thune yet. And there's or Thune, I did it. I did the Joe Thune this time. Maddie was doing it before the show. Speaking of Maddie, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Pronounce the new Chiefs left guard's name correctly, Matthew. I've never once said Joe Thune in my life. Nobody can prove that I have. I have said Joe Thune. He is the new Chiefs offensive lineman because we have absolutely no clue where this man is going to play because he can play all five positions. Fun fact, he was actually taking first team reps at left tackle for the Patriots in 2019 during training camp because their current their left tackle was not there. He didn't obviously start a game. He has only played eight snaps, I think, at right tackle, but he spent an entire camp playing on the outside, So and he started at left guard, right guard, and center during regular season games, so we don't know where he's going to play, and his name is Tooney, Kent, so I got you covered on both of those. Also with us, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at Barley Hop. I am no longer allowed to say he is handsome, so tell us how you are doing. Well, I am feeling very handsome and very talented, just like my (laughs) handsome and talented pals that I do this podcast with. But um, no, uh, Chiefs made a move. Chiefs went out and made a big move at what we think will be left guard. I I am very interested to hear the Brett Veach presser. After all of this, we know that it's probably going to be full of misinformation and lies and things like that because that's how these things go but if they expect Joe Tooney to play left guard Brett Veach will just say you know yes he's going to play left guard if they think he might move around you might see them him and haw a little bit but I do expect him to play left guard I think the Chiefs spent 16 million dollars on a guard albeit one of the very best ones in the NFL so this is this is the big move that has happened to date on this recording would it be more palatable if he was playing tackle though matthew i i mean i think so you would obviously have to see how well he played when he got out there but if you signed tooney to play tackle you paid him 16 million dollars which is still good tackle money but your goal is to try him out there hope he plays tackle as well as he plays guard then it's a lot better i am of the belief just personally that you just don't pay that i don't ever 
ever want to play in the top 25% of any interior offensive line market in terms of just contract value. I think that that position group in general receives way too much help or is only helping others far too often to be worth paying the top 25% of that group. So that was Corey Lindsley at center making 12 and a half million. That's too much for, for my liking. I don't want to play up that high. So that's just me. I know these guys feel a little bit differently. Well, we can, I mean, we can get there. Actually, you know, I was going to let Matt, you know, I was going to let Matt maybe just set the table real quick because you just did the film review on Joe Tooney, the player. And then maybe we can kind of get into Craig's thoughts about him and my thoughts, but I want Maddie to set the table. You did the film review on Joe Tooney. What did you think? So I think I capped off the article with this. When I watched Tooney play, I came away with very similar feelings that I came away with watching Mitchell Schwartz play when the Chiefs first signed him from the Cleveland Browns. And what I mean by that is he is an excellent player. He is very technically sound. He is very rarely just imposing and dominant on the football field. He is not catching your eye with highlights. He's not a guy out there pancaking people in the offensive line. He's not out there making the most ridiculous play with the most range you've ever seen, catching a safety in the middle of the open field. But every play is technically sound. It's exactly what you want to use. You could use just about 99% of his his reps as coaching tape. He is that technically sound. He is very good against the pass. He's very good in pass protection. He's very good run blocking. I just never felt that he was imposing or shedding his will on the opponent. That's how I felt with Mitchell Schwartz, and that one kind of worked out for them. I do think he's better in pass protection. He's very sound in pass protection. Like He is probably a better pass protector than he is run blocker. He's just not the most powerful guy, but... J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, the list goes on of guys he held up and shut down in pass protection. It's out there. He can do it. His lateral agility is great. His hand technique is great. And again, I'm just going to keep coming back. His technical ability is off the charts, and I think that's what makes him one of the top five guards in the NFL. See, the way he describes that, I mean, and he said, you know, it, it kind of worked out with Mitchell Schwartz. It worked out super well with Mitchell Schwartz. And I think it's going to work out super well with Joe Tooney. They got a young guy for five years who's going to be the leader of this offensive line, and he's going to be very technically sound. He's not going to fall off a cliff if his, you know, athletic profile starts to decline. You're going to be able to keep this guy around, and he's going to be one of the best guards in the league for the next five years. So here in three years, that $16 million a year is going to look cheap by comparison because, you know, cap is going up, that, you know, salaries are going up. Like it's going to be a good thing for the Chiefs. They needed a guy that they felt like they could play as their cornerstone, their young cornerstone for the next five years, losing Eric Fisher, losing Mitchell Schwartz. They needed a remake and they need somebody consistent that they know is going to show up, work hard, be a smart player, be a very technical player, and can help everybody else out. I think that that's what Joe Tooney is. And so, like, there's a bunch of intangibles and stuff like that that you're getting with Tooney on top of the fact that he is one of the very best guards in the game. All right, so when Brett Veach has had issues on this football team that have kept his team from reaching the ultimate goal, a terrible defense, uh, what does he do? He goes out and he starts from scratch and he grabs leadership. He grabs key pieces in 
rooms to make sure that there's a strong leader in the room. He's had a lot of history of doing that. Tyron Matthew went and got a leader in the secondary. Frank Clark went and got a leader on the defensive line. This year, they just they gutted their offensive line group. And when I say gutted, the, the, the cornerstones of this organization the last five years have been the tackle positions and along the offensive line. It's been piecemealed along the interior. They've tried to skate by a lot of times with lesser talent along the interior. That's a way to build teams. Um, and they've just, you know, this is something that they've done. The Chiefs are starting from scratch up front in a lot of different ways. I think the Chiefs were aggressive in trying to identify an exceptional player, a leader along that group. And I think they got that guy. They paid $16 million a year for him, which is a lot. But I will, and I, I, I honestly, $16 million for me, I, I'm with Maddie is a lot of money for a guard, and I don't know if I feel great about that. But what I do like what they did is they took it, five, they made it a five-year contract. So they pushed a lot of these years into the big TV deal monies. You know, it's going to be a $250 million cap, you know, in a matter of years. Maybe in three years for all we know. Like, I mean, this thing is going to skyrocket. And the big cap hits are on the back end of this deal. The cap hit for this year is $4.5 million, I believe. So they still have some flexibility for this year. They move the bigger cap hits into the future. I like that. Um, I don't know if I love the number. But it, like Craig said, it's going to be irrelevant here in a couple of years. That's not going to be the highest guard contract. Quentin Nelson will make 18 or 19. Hmm. Quentin Nelson might make Quint, what of that. Quentin, Quentin Nelson's going to be making what Trent Williams is asking for right now in the open market. We'll get to Trent Williams. Later. We will. But I just I, I think this is just kind of how Veach is typically operated. He overcorrects mm-hmm. for the mistakes that he makes or the, the reasons that his team didn't make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. And this is what he did. So now he's starting with Joe Tooney. Uh, and there might be more coming. We can get to more of those. Do you have any more thoughts on 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 a Joe Tooney, Matthew? Look like you want to jump in. I mean, yeah. It's just because I want to make it very clear that the Chiefs got better when they signed Joe Tooney. They got a lot better. And that's from whatever they had last year at the guard position. That goes back to I know he was a fan favorite in Clutchio Simile. But Joe Tooney is a much better player. They got better. The contract structure is phenomenal because it leaves them with a ton more space to work with this year when the cap is a lot tighter. Yeah, it balloons a little bit after this, but it's going to be when the cap is going up. So the structure's great. The player's great. And it just for me, I just do want to go back and touch on this. When you're talking about an offensive guard, when you're talking about paying anybody $16 million, I better be able to adjust my scheme to fit that much money. And I have no clue how you adjust a scheme to base it around a left guard, especially when you are in a pass-heavy, a vertical pass-heavy offense. I just don't know what changes you make to maximize that much money. That's my only holdup with this Joe Tooney signing. It's not about the percentage of the cap. It's not about the cap hit. It's just a lot of money for a player that you have to drop into a system rather than build a system around. Well, and I find it a little bit interesting that in a market where there are tons of quality guards just falling left and right, you know, teams, the first place teams are going to release players to try to get under the cap has been the guard position. 
you've seen it in a lot of different places. And so when you looked at it on its face, it was like, this is going to be a suppressed guard market. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be, there's going to be good value, a Trey Turner or something like that. It's going to, but be it made. might be for everyone else. I mean, it's Joe probably going to be for everyone early else. in the process. Like, yeah, I mean, Zeitler signed for under 10 million APY Trey Turner's still a free agent. There's still plenty of guys at guard that are out there. And the chiefs came off the top rope on the first day where they could and reset the current offensive guard market. Like it will get reset again. As soon as Quentin Nelson or Nick Martin are up for a contract again, don't get me wrong, but it's just, it's interesting this year to essentially come right out with that much cash towards a guard when it seems like there was a lot of quality options and the first contract you saw was, I mean, almost half the price for another really good guard in Zeitler. And see, that's the whole intangibles. That's like, they're, they're, they wanted that man on a five-year deal for a lot of money because they want him here for all five years. Like, I think this is going to be kind of like what we've seen out of some of these bigger Brett Veach contracts. Like, you're going to see them continue to restructure. You're going to see them continue to move move money around because they want Tooney here. He's a very durable player. He's very technical, like Matty said, and everything like that. I do think it's worth noting the tops of these markets are not being suppressed. Like, never. It, yeah, it's it's never that way. Ever, ever, ever. And I think you made a good point, Craig. They they committed to him for five years. And I think that just speaks to what we're talking about with some of the intangibles with this. Is they that You're right. They want to secure his talents for a long term. This is not value along the interior. This is they wanted a cornerstone. They wanted a blue chip player on their offensive line, and they got it. Yeah. Because what, Zeitler signed for two years, three years? Three years, I, I believe. Yeah. Three it, years. Yes. It and was, Zeitler's a little bit older, but still. Sure. But I mean, if you are looking for that foundational piece to go forward on your offensive line, like especially if you're going to bring in a bunch of rookies, you want a veteran that's going to be there and help them through the entire rookie contract, you can do a lot worse than Joe Tooney. I, I mean, I get it from that perspective, why they would go so aggressively at a guard like that. Well, I think those are some of the explanations as to why. And whenever Brett Veach gets up to talk about the signing of Joe Tunia, I think that'll be some of the stuff that you hear. Uh, Kyle Long, 32-year-old interior offensive lineman who was retired, announced that he was returning to the National Football League, wanting to come back and play, reportedly in phenomenal shape. Uh, He is out on the market he started his free agency tour with the Las Vegas Raiders. He spent, a, you know, at a visit. There's been some ominous tweets. He is flying into Kansas City. If you're listening to this right now, he might be in Kansas City. The Raiders let him out of the building, and he's coming to Kansas City. The only other reported visit that he has seems like there's some genuine interest from the Kansas City Chiefs, Craig. Yeah, and it was a little bit surprising. I think we heard this a couple days ago before the Joe Tooney news broke. I think it was actually the morning of the legal tampering period that we heard that Kyle Long was uh, taking a visit with the Chiefs after the Raiders. And it w- it made some sense because we were all kind of expecting this depressed guard market. Get a guy that's been out of the game for a year, that has remade his body a little bit and is ready to play football. You bring him in, give him a physical, and just kind of see. You know, wait and you know, see if you can get him on a good deal, help shore up the middle of your line. 
But then they immediately go out, spend that money on Tooney, and they're still hosting Kyle Long. Now, Kyle Long's probably not going to cost very much. I, I don't. I wouldn't guess that he's probably looking for big money, especially, again, like we said, the guard market, by and large, outside of the top of it, is depressed. So with that in mind, he could come in here to play a backup to somebody else if LDT is going to stick around. If they're looking for some reason to move on, from LDT, he makes some sense as a right guard as well. But it's just very interesting to note there that the Chiefs are looking to get you know, more bodies at the guard position. They just tendered Andrew Wiley again today. A guy that has been kind of that backup guard, starting guard, you know, swing tackle, played a lot of different positions. Kyle Long, another primarily a guard guy. Coming in here, there's only two spots, and we know that Joe Tooney's probably playing one of them. So it just it brings up a few questions about what the Chiefs are doing, how they're trying to reshape their offensive line. I, I think you know we all have a bunch of questions about that. We're gonna find all that out within probably the next week or two here. But it's just real interesting that they still are bringing Kyle Long in for a visit after making that big signing. I get to play the negative guy for the first part of the show because uh, I think there's a lot of Chiefs fans that are very just for excited. This, wait, just for this show? Yeah, I think just for this show. <laughs> I think there's a lot of fans that are very excited about Kyle Long. I think it's just a name that people recognize. He has had some very good years. People know him because he has a strong social media presence. It's also been over five years since Kyle Long has played a full NFL season. Yeah. In over half a decade, he's played over half of a season one time, and that was only 10 games. So if they do bring in Kyle Long a year out of football, and there was a lot made about how he spent this time getting in his body in better shape into a football shape. He started focusing more on recovery. His body feels as good as it ever has. But again, we are talking about a guy who has not played a full season of football in half a decade. You can't get your hopes too high. He's been out of football for a year. You probably bring him in, much like you brought Osimile in, and you're just having him go out there and attempt to win the job away from Wiley or LDT. And if he doesn't, you have yourself a quality veteran depth player that you know you can plug in and play if you need to. And for that purpose, I do, I do like the signing. I think he has had some good play. I just don't think you can sign him and have any level of confidence that he is going to be ready to go on the next Sunday that is coming up. I'm not overly excited about Kyle Long. It's interesting. I'm interested by the idea. But I'm also just kind of interested in reading between the lines too a little bit. Kind of, you know, Craig talked a little bit, I think alluded to that. It's just Laurent Duvernay Tardif, is he coming back? Why are the Chiefs looking so aggressively to pursue the guard position? What What's the deal there? You know, why is this team trying to address that position? Um, Kyle Long specifically, I think what Maddie presents is there's some legitimate concerns there. He is a very popular name. He's had very good stretches of football. Um, and he's healthy. Uh, he took a year off and he's going to come back and he's in really good shape. Like all these are positive signs for him moving forward. But I mean... I don't know. I don't know how great I feel about it. And like, obviously like, let's see what the market looks like for him. The thing that, the things that I find interesting, he left the Raiders without a deal. 
Um, that typically is that means that he's got a better offer elsewhere m- more often than not. And that they're would you want to play there with what they're doing? Absolutely not. We'll get there Un- <laughs> under no. Oh, we will get there. <laughs> but uh, I just I found that interesting, and and then I find the the whole Laurent Duvernay Tardif angle interesting. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break, and we got more to talk about right after this. All right, we are just kind of running down what we've heard early in the legal tampering period. It's been very busy for the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's basically all been up front. Uh, and there's there's really not a ton of buzz about this one that we're about to talk about um, or are too much tangible, but there has been some comments made uh, about this. Rodney Hudson, for some reason... Was released by the Las Vegas Raiders. It appears that Hudson requested it per some reports. There's some buzz that the the Raiders are broke and cash poor and just had to make a decision like this to move on. Uh, What a wild time here with Rodney Hudson, a former Kansas City Chief, an outstanding interior offensive lineman and an outstanding center that still has good football ahead of him. One of those other durable, consistent players that you you know that the Chiefs probably covet after coming off the issues that they've experienced with some of the attrition up front. Uh, a familiar face, a fan favorite, would be very fascinating to see if the Chiefs could get in on the Rodney Hudson market. Uh, what a weird day for him, and a weird day for the Raiders for all of us to sit back and laugh. Yeah, one of the reports was that the Raiders asked, you know, Rodney Hudson about maybe taking a pay cut, reducing the cash. Rodney Hudson said, I am unhappy here. I want to win. I am sick and tired of, you know, whatever we have going on here. I will void part of my salary to make it to be where we can get out of here with you guys not having to take dead money. And the Raiders leapt at that opportunity. That should tell you how badly things are going in Oakland right now. They've moved on from Trent Brown. They have moved on from Gabe Jackson. And now they have moved on from Rodney Hudson. I know And Richie Incognito. And Richie Incognito. I know this is a really good offensive line class. But part of the reason that team was so good was because of those established veteran presences that were, you know, at or near the top of their position. Now all of those guys are gone. And it's absolutely baffling to me that they would let a player like that walk. He is one of the very best centers in the league. If if he's not, it's probably Corey Lindsley, and he's a very close second. And now he's a guy that's on the on the market. He wants to win. He's been in Kansas City before. I mean, the Chiefs are very familiar. Andy Reid is very familiar with him. No, the Chiefs didn't pay him. But remember, at the time, he got paid as the very highest paid center in the league. So the Chiefs said, listen, man, we know your your number's too high. We can't afford to do that with everything else we got going on. And he walked. I personally would line up. I'd, I'd get him on the phone immediately. I'd send the jet for him right now. Go get him. Bring him in. He's familiar with these people, with these coaches, everything like that. He got his start here. He, I mean, he wants to win. Put him on this roster. You get a heck of a lot better, even though he's probably going to cost a whole bunch of money as well. 
you willing to spend thirty million a year on an interior offensive line? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is that is where we're headed, and we might as well trade Patrick Mahomes for Lamar Jackson and never throw the football in this case. <laughs> I would I would love Rodney Hudson to come back. He's he's the best center in the league as it stands right now. Like I know everybody made a big deal about Corey Lindsley's like PFF grade or something, and he's good. But Rodney Hudson's the best center in football. He has been for a while now. I don't think it's particularly that debatable and he's now a free agent he's a little bit older he maybe does want to win he spent a lot of time losing he has spent a lot of time losing and i am sure even in kansas city that's what i'm saying he has spent his entire career losing and i'm sure he's tired of it so if he wants to come here for a significant discount sure by all means let's go but if he's out there trying to get what he's worth if, he's, if it's more important for him to get the money that he is worth, that he deserves on the football field compared to what the NFL plays, I'm as so far out as out can be. There is zero chance I am paying a center $13-plus million to play next to my $16 million guard. I would, I'd know, out as far as one can be. I would. Fascinated what the market ultimately looks like for him, honestly. Like, I just... Like that's going to be really interesting in and of itself. Does he get the identical Lindsley deal? He's a little bit older than Corey Lindsley. You have to think he's gonna he's gonna get paid pretty handsomely, um, unless he just wants to win. And maybe maybe he's made his money, but I wouldn't bank on that because that doesn't happen very often. Now you that have being to be said, about, you have to be about four years older for that to happen. Yeah, but that being <laughs> said. It's not like Brett Veach and his discount deals are that much below market value. Like, if if Rodney Hudson is coming here to make $9 million for three years, like, I mean, it's not like they're going to, they're still going to take care of him. I'm not saying that they're going to, you know, completely lowball him here, but they, I still think that they'd offer him a chunk of money even even to come here, even taking that quote-unquote discount. My favorite part about this podcast so far is like I have to be painted as a guy that's being the most stingy with money, and that is so the opposite. We just happen to be only talking about like the least valuable positions in all of football and paying them the most money at their positions in hey, all of football. Don't worry, I want to pay all those other positions too. I I love spending <laughs> Clark Hunt's money. I don't know if you guys no, know so this about I. me. And that's like I I want to make it clear. I am not opposed to spending money. I hope the Chiefs do. I will pay Trent. If it was up to me, I'd be paying Trent Williams twenty four million dollars right now. I know you would but he would i am absolutely not paying another interior offensive <laughs> lineman top of market value to pair next to a top of market value guard maddie hold on work with me for just a second trent williams joe tooney rod hudson what do you Wait, think? But hear me out. Don't do Rodney Hudson and do a better, more important position like a Kenny Galladay, a Juju Smith-Schuster, a Curtis Samuel. Spend that money on something that matters more. We all have, like, it's so, it's so funny because we all are having crises right now because I am very much a, like, I, 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 I'm a positional value guy with Maddie in a lot of regards. Um, I'm a value guy in a lot of regards, too. So it's like... I should probably hate the Joe Tooney move more than I do. No, but you, I'm. You know who should hate all of this talk the most? The guy who's watching all the money go to the offensive side of the football right now, and I'd still do it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's just because there's no defensive ends left. Yeah, you're right. 
Well, we can <laughs> or get quarters. There. Yeah, we William Jackson off too. the board now. Pour one out. R.I.P. Me, Maddie. Let's just. I I think the Chiefs are on interior offensive line. Still, how does that change how the outlook of the draft for the Chiefs? I mean, I I guess it would depend on what the rest of what they do, right? We're we're getting down to the point where I think we all expect at least one more offensive line signing in this free agency period on some level, maybe even two. So it depends on who they're bringing in. But if you're the Chiefs right now, I I, I guess I can't answer this question. Actually, I was about to say they can't spend an early round pick on an interior offensive lineman, but they just spent $16 million on one. So I clearly am out of touch with what they are willing to do. And they just drafted a running back in the first round and a linebacker in the second round. Like right. they don't they, care about positional value. They at all. are out here just throwing it barehanded punches into a brick wall with no care in the world. So like I can't even begin to predict what's coming next. I would assume you're not spending an early round draft pick on an interior offensive lineman unless you sign a good starting caliber offensive tackle. Then maybe you look towards a center or a better, younger right guard going forward. But I imagine that interior offensive line is definitely on the back burner for as far as the draft goes. All right, let's talk a little bit about Trent Williams because there is a ton of smoke. The Chiefs are very much involved by all indications from every media source out there. They are linked. They are one of the two teams most consistently linked. It is the Chiefs, and it is the Niners. The Niners had Trent Williams last year. For some reason, he didn't get the tag, whether it be Trent's request or the Niners not wanting and letting Tim, letting the market be set for them. I'm not sure. But Trent Williams is very much linked to the Chiefs the last two days. Maddie, just before we get talking into there's a lot with the Trent stuff, talk about the player. Just quick elevator pitch on how good of a player he is. Okay, so I said that watching Joe Tooney was, it was good. He was very technically sound, but it was almost boring because everything he did was technically sound and nothing popped off the film. Trent Williams is the exact opposite of that. You can't go more than three plays without having to pause the film and clip out a play of him doing something just absolutely ludicrous, whether it's pancaking a linebacker like a rocket ship, whether it's being the most dominant, quick-setting, jump-setting offensive tackle I've ever seen, just Everything he he did a slingshot maneuver for people that don't know what that means. He ran behind and defender to their front shoulder, like farther down the field than them, and then blocked back on them on a Mike linebacker shooting a gap on a run. He was so athletic that he was able to go behind the linebacker and then cut him off again. Trent Williams is hands down the best offensive tackle in the NFL right now, especially while Bakhtiari is hurt. That's how good he is. I don't know how to put it in any better terms other than every third play is a highlight. <laughs> he is fun. Uh, he's a blast. I mean, he's one of the best left tackles in the league, even at 33. I tweeted out earlier this week that Trent Williams is worth over $20 million to Kansas City and specifically Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Like, he, he's well worth all of that. So they should pay him all of that. So, that being said, I don't know that the Chiefs will. I think that they've got a hard line. I think that they've got some other stuff that they want to do. I think that there are a couple other tackles that they could try to address the situation with, and it would obviously be a massive step down from Trent Williams. But honestly, the longer that they are in this, 
the more I believe either A, they're being used, or B, they are legitimately contenders for his services and will land him. Because so yeah, so San just, Francisco's just to, had just all to this recap. Time. Yeah. Just to recap, Craig. Yes. The Chiefs are either in it or they are not in it. No, no. The Chiefs are either in it and going to win it or B being leveraged out of their mind. That's what it is. It's not they're not going to make a good offer and just barely miss out. They've either been being leveraged this entire time or they're not. Or they're getting him. Uh this would not be the first time that the Chiefs are in on every single free agent i mean this i i think the chiefs are okay with being leveraged or or used as leverage um and i think that happens because brett veach is aggressive the chiefs are really good and teams don't want the chiefs to be really good so there's a lot of reasons why i think that you know like there could be some smoke here uh to try to you know stick one again to the to the super bowl losers of super bowl 54 um but i mean the idea of Trent Williams and Joe Tooney on the left side of your offensive line is absurd. And you can stay young, maybe on the right side a little bit easier. It's the front side for Patrick Mahomes. He can navigate maybe some pressure that might be coming from that front side. Just knowing the backside is absolutely secure. Um, and you can run left. <laughs> um, you can run there, there's a lot period. to like about. Yeah. There's Yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot to like about the idea of Trent Williams. Obviously, it's another expensive move. It's another aggressive move. But this is what Brett Veach does. When he sees a problem with this football team, he overcorrects to try to secure you know, and fix the problem. Trent Williams and Joe Thune, Tooney, I'm sorry. I gave Maddie crap before the show because he was saying Thune, and I've done it twice. Never now. happened. Oh, I'm sorry. It did never happen. Uh, your problem solved though up front. Uh, there, that's a major stride, and you can you, you've got a lot of veteran experience up front that can maybe let you, uh, you know, help bring some younger younger players along, like in Lucas Niang, like maybe another draft pick. And that's kind of what I like about it. Um, Maddie, let's just say let's just say they add Trent Williams into the mix, or Craig. No, I'm gonna ask you, Craig. Let's say they add Trent Williams into the mix. Okay. You've got Tooney and, and Trent Williams on the left side. What does that change for the draft now? That changes the fact that you need a defensive end still, and you need a wide receiver still, and you need a cornerback still. And it's probably going to be one of those positions, which is good. Um, it's not a bad situation to be in because right now they need four positions. Uh, if you do left tackle, you can pretty much ignore offensive line. For the majority of the early part there, I think you can pretty much write Lucas Niang in for either right guard or right tackle. Uh, LDT in for right guard or Kyle Long in for right guard if they stay. Uh, Mike Rimmers, if he resigns, might factor in on the right side, but that's fine. Like You can get by with that. I think that you can probably get by with a decent center, low money center, and be able to have an elite left side to your line. Patrick Mahomes, his blind side is completely blocked. You can just spend a day three pick on on another offensive lineman to try and develop, get a little younger in the future, and spend those early picks on defensive end in round one. Try and catch some wide receiver value or cornerback value in round two or three. Try and land somebody there that's going to be able to contribute in this offense. 
I think that they can, and I think that that's a decent strategy to have. I know that's not Brett Veach's MO. He typically likes to spread it around and solve more holes here, but at the same time, we also haven't seen Brett Veach after a Super Bowl where his franchise just about died on the field because his offensive line was so poor. So I I get it. I get spending this and switching up your strategy a little bit more, which it looks like in that situation they would be doing. For me, I mean, if you could bring in Trent Williams, then you're, like we said, the left side of the line's locked down. Yes, in the future, you will have to replace left tackle. But, I mean, you're at the age now where tackles can play deep into their career. Like, these guys aren't done at 34 years old all the time anymore. They can play deep into their 30s. Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, so maybe you have Trent Williams at least for three years, four years. So you can you can move that. That's not a stopgap anymore. Yeah, you have to eventually replace it, but it's way down the road. It no longer matters to this current team. The left side of your offensive line is locked up. Your center playing next to Tooney, hopefully next to at least even LDT or Kyle Long. I think that's a good enough right guard that you could plug in a young guy at center. You could maybe even get by with Allegretti at center. I don't love it, but you could maybe get by as your worst lineman. You have a young Lucas Niang out on right tackle, whether it's Rivers, whether it's Dennis Kelly, just some type of swing tackle that you could sign in that would at least push Niang for the starting right tackle job and force whoever wins. Like You have a lot of options. Yeah, the Chiefs would still have to invest probably in the interior in the first two days of the draft, but you don't have to draft somebody in round one. If you don't get Trent Williams, if you get any of these other tackles on the market, one, they're equally as old, but they're not halfway as good. They look closer to being done in the NFL. You still probably feel like you have to draft a tackle early. Trent Williams takes that need entirely off the table. So that's why it's worth it. And the fact that he's the best offensive tackle in the league at a position that actually matters. I like the Dennis Kelly idea, by the way. I'd prefer him over Rimmers. I think he's a little bit better than Mike Rimmers. And nothing against Rimmers. I would welcome Rimmers back gladly. I just think Dennis Kelly is a little bit, and I mean a little bit better. I like the concept to bring him. I mean, if you could even bring in, if you're willing to spend, a Rick Wagner who's coming over from Green Bay. I don't know what – I've heard nobody mention his name. He might not have any market at all. He's an actual starting caliber offensive tackle. Make Lucas Niang beat him out or go compete with – or compete with LDT at right guard and play him on the inside. I'm fine with that too. There's a there's a lot that opens up if the Chiefs do a little bit more to secure this offensive line. Um, yeah, you could make it. A, you could make a strength another strength and add. You could still add. You know, you could still add an interior player. You know, like a, like a Landon Dickerson up front and just have a you know a really promising dominant front. But also like there's really good value in this draft along the offensive line. And you can play the value bin on day two, early day three, potentially, and get a really quality player that, you know, like an Aaron Banks at 96 at one of the guard spots, for instance. Like, there's good value up front that you can still be had. Watching some of the lower tier tackles, there's some fun developmental guys that you can get in the late late rounds that maybe that's where you add one of your tackles and you add another guy along the interior that could potentially start sooner rather than later. There's a lot of interesting things that the Chiefs can do just with the offensive line, but you know, that, that shapes how the draft is, man, you know, it kind of shapes up, but then you, you've got good availability for picks. You know, you can do some good stuff, you know, with an edge or, or a receiver in the first round, you can move back and acquire another pick and, and, and just grab a bunch of quality players in that day two window. 
to to build depth because you've spent so much money on uh, on some key players and some big ni- big time contracts. So I I it, if if they open if 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 they go tackle and guard if they have those secured this is going to be real interesting for the draft it's going to change a lot of different things. Okay, real quick, I want to do a speed round. Just a quick quick hitter thought on a couple of the moves that happened. Maddie Taco Charlton is back. That's your boy. What you think? I think it's a great move. I assume it's going to be near the vet minimum like it was last year. Like Craig has told you guys on Twitter, he was one of the most effective pass rushers for the Chiefs. Putting him across from Frank Clark on passing downs obviously is better than what they were able to field before it. I still think this does not change a single thing. They need a starting defensive end across from Frank Clark, but I still love bringing him back. He gives them depth as a pass rusher, something they don't currently have. 100% agreement with you. Uh, I get to talk about Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is back in the mix. He's a guy that does a lot of little things well for this team. Andy Reid loves him. He's singled him out as a guy that maybe doesn't you know, get the kind of recognition as he, he deserves because he isn't anything flashy by any sense of the word, um, but does a lot of the little things. And having him, especially with the release of Damian Williams, salute Damian Williams, makes a lot of sense to bring him into the mix. I will say this, Cecil Lammy, uh, mentioning today on Twitter, he's in Denver. Philip Lindsay was given the original round tender. There's just a tweet for him. I think this is interesting. I talked to enough people around the NFL to know that Philip Lindsay is going to get plenty of attention now that he's tendered his original round restricted free agent, which basically means there's no draft pick associated with Philip Lindsay. One person today told me the Chiefs would welcome Lindsay with open arms and know what to do with him. Just keep an eye on that. Chance to stick it to the Broncos, add another guy into the running back rotation, uh, and a dynamic guy with some with some big play potential. All right, Craig, real quick, the wide, re- wide receiver market reportedly very slow. Chiefs could take advantage. Yeah, very slow. I think we saw that kind of today. Marvin Jones signing a, basically a two-year deal for $7.5 million a year. That's way lower than what everybody thought. I think you saw some of the bigger deals go off the board on you know the opening day of free agent tampering. I think you're seeing right now, and by all reports, it looks like everything is just ridiculously tampered down. That's good news for a team that needs an option opposite of Tyreek Hill, opposite of Travis Kelsey. I think that they can kind of fit in one of these, you know, lower level starting guys, be able to get consistent play at the X receiver position on the cheap here. And then they can try and address it in the draft as well. But I think this is one of those buy low situations that's going to work out very well. We'll just have to see how much money the Chiefs have after, you know, the next couple of days here. All right. Well, there's a lot that's going to change by the time this show is released, probably. That's okay. Because that's just the nature of free agency. We threw out a bunch of scenarios and based on the stuff we've heard from uh, reports out there, that's kind of where we've seen from the first 24 hours, 36 hours, I guess, of free agency. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another episode of the AP Laboratory. Thank you guys so much. Catch you later.